Well, our names are Teresa and Gumby. Welcome to Escaping Society. We wrote our own song so we wouldn't have to pay for anyone else's copyright infringement. And we live in a van and we eat from the trash, making this podcast open for cash. You better listen up because we probably won't last because we can't compete with nonsense. Hypnotizing nonsense. Oh, society sucks and we don't need it. It's killing your kids, so why do you feed it? They'll tell you to stay, but you don't need to heed it. You can give them the finger. There's no time to linger. So, thank you for listening to our song. It's not very good and it went kind of long. Don't care if you like it, cause we'll be gone. Over that next horizon. We ain't got no Alright, welcome back to Escaping Society. This is episode 7. You gotta fight for the right to party. Sorry, Beastie Boys. Well, anyway, my name is Gumby, and this is... Teresa. Oh, and uh, we're here to talk about going to the bathroom when you are homeless, houseless, living out of a vehicle. Um, So where do you go? Where do you go to the bathroom? Uh, There's often places that you can go where there is stuff to buy, like a grocery store or gas station of some sort. Um, But really, I guess you're not supposed to go in there unless you're a customer. Um, I go in there. I don't have a problem with it. And if someone has a problem with it, hopefully you get to go to the bathroom before they have a problem with it. Yeah, that's actually what they mean by those no loitering signs is... uh... If you're not buying something, you shouldn't be there. When you start paying attention to where those no loitering signs are, there's actually not many places you're supposed to just be unless you're spending money. Yeah, and uh, recently, I think we mentioned this before, but uh, Starbucks, at least in the United States, um, they had a controversy that was blown up in the media. And long story short, uh, as of right now, 2019, you can go to Starbucks and well, for all intent and purpose, loiter. I mean, you don't have to be a customer there. I was like, I worked in a grocery store um, throughout high school and college. And of course we had bathrooms. I often had to clean them up. I didn't have a problem with people coming in there and using the bathrooms. And I was the one cleaning it. Of course, you know, some people are grosser than others, but I really don't feel like it's that big of a deal. I think some places do make it tougher. Like I've encountered, especially in bigger cities like Boston, for example, um, they'll have codes on the bathroom doors, so you have to go up to the counter and get the code. Um, they might give you a hassle there or just outright, like, sorry, there's no bathroom here for uh, customers or the public. It's just employee bathroom if they have that. Gumby, what do you think? Um, like, you know, I was referring to that Beastie Boys song, Fight for the Right to, put, to Party. But, uh, you know, it's actually a right to use the bathroom. And that's something that like you don't realize that is dependent on you being a consumer. It's weird when you start kind of dropping out of consumerism wherever you can, because you find that like, you know, a lot of people, they'll go through a city and they'll say, oh, the homeless people, it smells like pee around the dumpster in the alley. But try not spending any money, especially in the middle of a city and see what you have to do to use the bathroom. I mean, it's really... A sick, interesting, weird thing happening in a city that um, it's that hard to use the bathroom. And even even not in a city, like you go to a park or whatever, you got to use the bathroom. It's like taboo in our culture. Like you can get arrested for indecent exposure for using the bathroom. And that doesn't really alarm anybody when I say that because we've all gotten used to it. But it's a really strange situation um, that something we all do, every single person breathing it does this. And that it's so taboo that it can be hard to find a place to use the bathroom. Um, oh, and yeah, Teresa was going to talk about uh, nomads. Uh, well, yeah, before before we move on to that, I was just thinking about, I mean, my personal experience with having to use the bathroom. And if I'm somewhere where there's not a porta potty or something, it's not like I'm trying to flash anybody. I just want 
to be able to feel like I'm not. Except in Ohio. Shut up. That was in Maryland. Maryland. Um, <laughs> it's, it's about like the fear of breaking a law. I mean, we've encountered people, unfortunately, that have been going to the bathroom in the woods. And I mean, we do our best to like, you know, not look at them to like move, you know, a different way away from them to Hold give on. them I gotta privacy. I got to tell your flashing story. Will you? <laughs> oh, so we were hitchhiking and we were coming back from New England and I guess it was Maryland. Somebody just dropped us off and Teresa had to pee really bad. And so did I. And it was a really busy road. So I ran up this really steep embankment and found a little place behind the bushes and I peed. It was like one of these tweener spots we talk about that like nobody could see you right in the middle of everything. So I went down there and I'm like, well, Teresa, you know, if you got to pee, like I found a pretty good spot. And she scrambles up the hill (laughs) and damn if she doesn't miss that one bush entirely. She gets in a bush that just covers her face. So (laughs) she can't see anybody, assumes nobody else can see her and squats down and pees. And it's not covering the lower part of her body at all. So the traffic's going by and this dude comes up on a bike and he's smoking a cigar and he just stops and kind of nods his head and gives me a puff of the cigar (laughs) and keeps riding. (laughs) So, luckily, a cop did not see that, or Teresa might have this public uh, exposure, indecent exposure record Yeah, and, I mean, again, it's not like I was trying to expose myself in front of anyone. I just, I mean, I made an error in judgment, but usually I'm pretty good about trying to find a spot out of the way and just, you know, squatting down and doing, you know, what I need to do, peeing mostly, um, just as quick as can be, hoping that I can make a tweener space, an in-between space out of wherever I have to go to the bathroom. But we didn't have to always do that. I mean, obviously, uh, before there were big cities and even before there were like rural communities, we were more nomadic. And I'm, I'm doing this summer camp and I want to like share with the children that are in the camp, just like why things are the way they are now. Because a lot of times even adults take things for granted, like toilets and toilet paper for that matter. So long before all of these communities that we lived in, we were nomadic and people just peed and pooped kind of wherever they were at. And maybe they covered it up. Maybe they just left it and moved on. And it didn't really matter because there weren't that many people on the earth. And so then you got to be careful who you sit next to or like, you know, kind of read their expression. Because if they're about to go, you might want to find another spot around the fire. <laughs> well, I'm sure they didn't go like right next to the person. <laughs> but anyway... So then there got to be more people and we were still as a human species kind of doing that, just going out into the grass and taking a crap or whatever. And, uh, and then people started getting sick. And especially when people started moving to crowded places, cities, um, there became a need, more of a need for toilets. So can I interject something? Is that like, from what you read, is that indicating that like people, it's the number of people living together they created the problem. It's not poop itself. So well, like you get large quantities of people just piling up the poop in one place that it's the city that created the problem, not the poop. Even in our wastewater treatment plants, if you get a report for your city or town about your water quality, there's a parts per million or parts per billion PPM or PPB, um, <laughs> BM, um, of how much, like, whatever, fecal matter, coliform, whatever <laughs> the, the stuff is in the water. Yeah, so our water that we're drinking and using for cooking and bathing is not clean. Um, even when you're up in the mountains, I mean, there's animals that are pooping around the water. So it's the amount uh, per whatever, like, I don't know how how they measure it exactly, but... Yeah, the saturation point. So once you get too many people pooping and it's going into the water supply, then it gets to be bad for your system. Your system can't handle it. And of course, if you're like a child or you're um, an elder or you already have a an immune system that's compromised from whatever, you're more likely to get sick. But this is this is mainly caused by the amount of people on the earth. Um, so the natural way that we were as humans was to kind of go on the land and move on and not just uh, amass people in a giant city and then have a need for uh, not just toilets, but then like pipes and all that stuff. So what I was going to get at was a brief history lesson. So I was reading this children's book uh, in preparation for my summer camp. And let's see, 
4,500 years ago, there were ancient communities in Scotland and present-day Pakistan that were building toilets. And the ones in Pakistan, um, as well as the ones in Mesopotamia at that time, were being built for royalty. And 4,000 years ago, the first, the first, the first flushing toilets um, were uncovered through some, I don't know, archaeological dig on the island of Crete uh, in a palace. So if you're catching my uh, hints here, this was mostly for royalty at first, the, the throne, the toilet, uh, the mm-hmm. need for the toilet. And it wasn't, I mean, so the, the toilet's been around for a while um, I thought this was interesting. In 1884, an English plumber by the name of Thomas Crapper, now that's not a mess up, um, designed a toilet that was uh, more easily flushed. And so uh, that was for royalty. Again, Queen Victoria ordered a number of these crappers to be installed in her um, palace, although I'm sure she didn't call it that, but, <laughs> but you, you can I have to go to the crop. Uh, I have to take a crop. <laughs> so, uh, world war one soldiers from America came over and they heard that these toilets were made by Thomas Crapper. So they started saying they were going to the crapper and maybe it was something that was like embossed on the, uh, the toilet itself. And they just saw crapper and they're like, I'm going to take it you know, and go to the crapper. So you can thank the, the soldiers for that bit of, uh, nomenclature. I want to shake the hand of Walter Shitty. <laughs> okay, Gumby. So, so yeah, so interesting history. We didn't always uh, have toilets. I think you probably knew that, but maybe you didn't. Like, there are some people that just kind of take it for granted that even toilet paper has existed in some form. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, and uh, so that brings us to our current situation that we live. In high-density human areas, most of us, and indoor plumbing got sold to us. You know, there were ways people took care of this, and they didn't feel like it was torture to go use the bathroom. Then we got sold, um, you know, a modern way of doing this, and suddenly there's pipes running everywhere. There's a whole septic system. There's all kinds of things to maintenance and fix, and not to mention all the parts and everything that goes into making the parts, the factories. Um, the ground that just gets torn up to run pipes everywhere, the water that it gets dumped into, the water that it takes to flush it. So we've normalized the system of just taking a shit or a piss or going to the bathroom that is horrible on the environment. I mean, just one of many bad habits, to say the least, that we picked up. So we wanted to talk about, like, if you're not ready to go be homeless, um, you know, something you might do to a more sane way of taking care of your your crap. Um, And one of the books that I've come across that I really liked, um, actually a housemate introduced this to both Teresa and me, and she read it first, and then I read it, The Humanor Handbook by J.C. Jenkins. Um, I know a lot of people are familiar with this one. I read a lot of, like, kind of odd books, I guess, that people don't know what I'm talking about. This one, people nod their head and like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've read that one. and he teaches you how to build a compost toilet. Is that free PDF still an active thing? Do you know? I couldn't figure it out. Um, at one point, I had the link for it on our Facebook page, Escaping Society, um, on Facebook, which is ironic. But it was for the third edition, and now he just put out a fourth edition in May of 2019. So now I can't find the free PDF, but maybe you can because you're, like, savvy like that. But look up the Humanor Handbook by, I think it's Joseph J.C. Jenkins. Yeah, Jenkins says in this book, What is human waste? Human waste is cigarette butts, empty beer cans lying along the road, plastic six-pack rings, styrofoam clamshell burger boxes, deodorant cans, disposable diapers, discarded appliances, discarded pop bottles, newspapers, old car tires, spent batteries, junk mail, nuclear garbage, convenience foods, exhaust emissions, the five billion gallons of drinking water we flush down our toilets every day, and the millions of tons of organic refuse discarded into the environment year after year after year. I'm not sure how much I agree with the last part, like if it's we put the refuse, organic refuse, in the environment, if that's discarded, if things get to use it. But I do agree with the insanity, he points out, of all the drinking water that is used for convenience. We forget about that. You know, we're told all the stuff like, crap, if you don't have modern plumbing, it's this um, 
horrible biohazard. Like, we need it. That's how we stay safe and healthy. Everybody, there'd be a plague if we didn't have it. It's a lie. That's part of the marketing. Um, it's the density of people. So the, the density of people, if we're all crapping, all kinds of things become um, dangerous. Uh, density of people having animals in their close proximity. That's what started smallpox. And all, almost all of, if not all, the plagues that got brought over from Europe to America. Um, so we don't need that. And Jenkins is pointing out like one way to... Uh, do something different, the compost toilet. I built a compost toilet in our old yard out of totally scavenged stuff, like scavenged tins, scavenged plywood, just finding stuff in the woods, abandoned houses, wherever I could, finding nails. Um, I had this little scam. Well, I mean, it's not really clever enough to call a scam, but we'd go to construction sites, and I'd walk around, we'd have a bag, and we'd be picking up nails, and if somebody asked us what we were doing, um, this is an active construction site, I just say, well, I'm looking for, do you know where Bill is, the plumber? And uh, that would just create enough confusion. You know, he'd be wondering, is there a Bill on the site? Like, and that I would just kind of, well, all right, I'll try to call him or something. I couldn't find him, you know, and then I walk out with what nails I could. But anyway, so I got that. And then I built a compost bin, and I believe the dimensions were like four foot by four foot next to another four foot by four foot um, square built on the ground, and then about four foot high. I think it was about 444. But anyway, I love that thing. Like, we'd go and use the compost toilet, and I left one side facing a cow pasture nearby, mostly open, so we had this beautiful view. Um, there were definitely days we didn't want to be out there uh, when there's mosquitoes are really dense or if it was really hot, but most of the time it was great. And we had a bucket that you'd poop in. You'd lay down, like we'd get leaves or, or sawdust or anything we could. We tried using wood chips, which you're not supposed to, but they worked okay. Um, lay that in the bottom of the bucket. You do your business, toilet paper, everything. You cover it up. If you keep doing that and minimize your pee, if you're a guy, try to pee like directly onto the compost um, in your compost bin. And if you're a, a girl, pee when you need to, but just try to minimize it. Because we found that the pee makes the compost stink. The poop, you can cover up. That doesn't stink. But the pee will make it kind of messy. So we learn to minimize that. It gets full, and Jenkins says you can tell it's full when you uh, have to stand up to take a crap. <laughs> I didn't wait that long. But then you take the bucket, you dump it in your compost bin, you cover it with some kind of debris. What we had was leaves, so I'd just go in the woods and kind of make a leaf pile, enough to cover it up, and throw it in there, along with your kitchen scraps, any other compost. And uh, according to Jenkins, pretty much anything is compostable. Um... Yeah, all of our cardboard when we were moving out, we put that on there. But I love the compost pile. That's one of the things I miss the most about the trailer. I'd go out there, and it was kind of like feeding fish, I think. I could hear the bacteria munching. You know, I could just, like, look at the compost pile and kind of, I don't know, feel satisfaction that I was feeding this uh, fungus and bacteria and the insects. But, uh, yeah. Um... <laughs> Yeah, I got lost in my compost yeah, pile. Yeah, you did. Well, it's a good place to have deep thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and um, so the compost toilet and some other information is still available on this guy's website, The Human Your Handbook um, by J.C. Jenkins. So, uh, goodness gracious, Google that. And he does have some information available for free that'll get you started. You just, I couldn't find the link for the, uh, the whole book anymore. Oh, and maybe we can post some pictures on our website. Yeah, we could do that. Um, so the compost toilet was a really great experience for me too. And ladies, I know this might sound weird, but if you get a, uh, a wide mouthed jar, it could be glass or plastic. I just use a plastic peanut butter jar when it's emptied out and, uh, clean it out. And then if you have to use the compost toilet and you want to minimize your peeing in there, bring or leave that, uh, wide mouth jar, pee in the jar, poo in the, um, five gallon bucket that you have for your compost toilet. And then you can immediately take your pee and dump it on the compost pile since we often can't, uh, make our pee go that far. Yeah, and it's really easy. I mean, I don't know how this sounds to somebody who's never done it, but uh, I know what used to keep me away from doing this kind of stuff when I'd hear, like, you know, different people talk about it. It just sounded like a lot of freaking work, and I felt like I was already doing a lot of work. But um, 
yeah, maybe that's one reason to back out a little bit more so you have more time, which um, we definitely found helpful. But the compost toilet is really easy, and it's really easy to operate. It's not hard to take the bucket of stuff, which doesn't stink, by the way, unless you pee a lot in it, throw it on the compost pile, have some stuff to throw on top of it, and you only have to do that about maybe once a week. And something that I felt when we were still at the house and we had the indoor plumbing as well as the compost toilet, I started to feel kind of guilty, especially after I read this book. So just be aware of that guilt. Like, don't shy away from that. There is something wrong with our culture um, and our, like, our um, associations with shit and poo, whatever you want to call it, and germs and all sorts of stuff. I mean, think about it this way. So, I, like, again, I'm reviewing these children's books to, to talk about stuff in summer camp, and I came across a lot of interesting facts I didn't know. So before 1982 or thereabouts, uh, they were making flush toilets that used five to seven gallons of water per flush. And I don't know if you've ever emptied out a gallon jug and like really paid attention to how much water's in there, but it's seven of those, up to seven of those um, on the older style toilets. Then after about 1982, they started thinking, hmm, maybe this is a lot of water being wasted. Uh, so they started making toilets that only use between one and two gallons. But again, that's two gallons of water that is the same water flowing through your sink. And, that, sorry. And once again, I was going to say the scientists are, are telling us that we have a uh, reducing amount of drinkable water. So the whole time we're using all this water, they're saying just we have less and less water that's potable, potable, right? Yeah. So, I mean, I guess like, yeah, well, palatable too. I mean, if we're using all this water to flush our crap down the toilet, I just feel like when we run out of viable drinking water, I mean... We did it to ourselves. So feel that guilt, feel that shame, and don't blame anyone else but yourself for not taking a step toward doing something about it now. But I'll get off my um, poop box or soap box (laughs) and start talking again about some things that you can do if you're no longer living in a home with a flush toilet and you're out uh, trying to figure out where to go. So we had a friend who was staying at our trailer, and she was starting to explore living out of a van. And I asked her months later after she had gone on and she's (laughs) living in her van, um, well, what have you learned from van life? And she told me a few things. And one of the things that stood out to me is uh, she suggested, and take your, like, pen and put it to the paper right now if you're taking notes. (laughs) She suggested having Ziploc bags filled with some cat litter in the van. Now, I have not done this. And please post a video if you try this, because we (laughs) are not sure how this is done. (laughs) Okay, so um, I can see if you have a sensitive colon, like, IBS or whatever, this might be something for you. And it might be something for you also if you're, like, really not sure of where the next toilet is going to be and you can't just go out into the woods and safely take a crap away from the water supply. But um, it seems a little uh, precarious to be shitting over a Ziploc bag, which you know doesn't stay open anyway. And so you're you're trying to like poop inside your van into this cat litter and maybe your aim isn't so good or something. I don't know. But um, yeah, let us know if you've actually tried that out and if it works for you but that was something that was suggested that is a true story yeah and of course uh you know the picture that creates i uh <laughs> you know i want to laugh at that and i do laugh at that um and i think like wow if somebody knows you're doing that in the van like you're never going to have company over you know <laughs> like who wants to get in your van but at the same time i recognize that that might be another tool for somebody else or even me at another time so i will say in its um defense that If you're a scavenger like we are, it also makes another level of sense because I've found big Ziploc bags. I can find that in park trash cans, even if I don't find a box of them new, which I found. Um, And kitty litter, man, that's getting thrown away all the time. So you could actually do that without spending a cent. I do like the sustainability of that, even if I am not crazy myself about rushing out to squat in my van and take a big old crap in the kitty litter. Yeah, I mean, that might that might be something that's only for emergencies. I'm not saying she takes a crap in her van, like, twice a day like that. That would just be kind of bizarre. 
But uh, I did mention, and this actually was an idea that came from my parents. My parents are uh, late life uh, backpacker campers, and they are not in very good shape, nor are they really for like the um, not being around the comforts of home. But it took a lot for them to start going out into the backcountry, and they got all their stuff, like their tents and backpacks and gear, and they would get these what they called pecans from the dollar store. And it was like a plastic container with a screw on lid. And I'm like, what, what is a pecan again? Tell me what that's about. And my mom said, well, that's like, if it's really cold or it's like really dark and we're afraid to go out of the tent, which I mean, you can rationalize or whatever my parents thoughts on that. So but if your mom ever makes a pecan pie, I should like really run. ask some serious Don't questions. It. Don't taste it. <laughs> so yeah. So my parents, um, would have their own separate pecans to keep in the tent in case they had to pee in the middle of the night. And as you get older, you got to pee more frequently, um, as I'm finding out. So I have not used my, um, wide mouth Jif peanut butter jar as a pecan in the van. I just feel like there are other methods for me to just sneak around and pee if I need to in the middle of the night. But that is an option, especially if you find that you don't feel safe somewhere going outside of your van. Um, maybe you're staying in a parking lot where you don't want anyone to know that you're in your van, especially like as you're getting ready to go to sleep, but you got to pee and you're not really near a bathroom and you don't want to have to leave that parking lot. So a pecan can work. I'd say these two things, the cat litter and the Ziploc bag and the pecan might work better if you're just doing stuff solo. But I mean, if you have somebody that you're around all the time, I mean, hell, what else is new? Um, Gumby, you want to talk about parking near a toilet. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And like Teresa was saying, we've never tried the Ziploc kitty litter thing, just kind of passing that uh, along for anybody who wants to experiment. Um, as somebody who lives out of their van passed on to us and the PGR, Teresa, I have, haven't seen her use it once since we've had it, but she did used to carry that around. So um, that's another thing that under the right circumstances could be a tool, but just kind of the disclaimer that we have found other ways to use the bathroom. Um, and here's one of them. When, you know, we're living out of our van, so sometimes we're just looking for a place to park it. It's not always like being on the road trying to get somewhere. It's often, you know, kind of loaf time, loiter time. Where do you just leave your van that it's safe? You're in a pretty spot. You've got the resources you want until you're ready to go to bed. And I usually try to park someplace different than I've been hanging out when I go to bed. Um, I just don't want to be... I don't want anybody to think that we're living out of our van, like as in uh, homesteading, parking there, because that creates problems. So I found moving at the right times is really important. Where I try to be before I park for bed, and often that's in a parking lot where it's not easy to get to a bathroom. Sometimes you luck out. We found places, especially on the Blue Ridge Parkway, that are uh, have bathrooms and quiet parking lots, and that's like great van living. Um, but I'll park near a gas station or outside of a mall on a rainy day when you want to watch a movie on your laptop or maybe just, you know, linger around the mall. Um, parks, you know, any place with a bathroom, it's nice to park your van there and have that um, resource. Um, I'm not crazy about because when you do that, you're flushing water. So that whole thing Jenkins talks about, you're doing it, you know, that waste of drinking water. But Sometimes when you're living out of your van, I feel like we have to make some compromises. So um, for a less impactful lifestyle, there's a couple of things like using plumbing at places that I feel like we don't do as well as when we lived in the trailer. Of course, we used our bathroom in the trailer, too. Um, Just use the compost toilet some of the time. Yeah, so parking near a toilet until bed. um, And sometimes at night you got to use the bathroom anyway. So often I'm in a parking lot. Let's say I'm outside of a hotel um, and I can't go in to use the bathroom, you know, because you come walking in the middle of the hotel um, (laughs) in the middle of the night, it looks suspicious. So I'll kind of slide the door open on the van and pee. And one of my great joys is every now and then, and I've learned to kind of try to make this happen if I can, <laughs> I'll back in next to the most expensive damn car I can find in the parking lot, a Lexus or a BMW. And if you've ever had a Lexus or a BMW that smelled like urine the next morning when you came out of a hotel, hi. <laughs> <laughs> but just a pee all over that sucker. That is one of my simple joys um, to pee on a Lexus. 
I've kind of made a sport out of it. And Gumby, what about, like you say, park near toilet until bed. Maybe some of the listeners might be wondering, like, well, why don't you just linger? And you might have mentioned a little bit of that, but and un- un- maybe you could give the listeners a- another reason why you wouldn't necessarily want to stay near your toilet throughout the whole night. Because um, often places that have a toilet available are places that you can't be there at night, like a mall that'll close down and security guards go through there and check. Um, they're not going to let you stay there all night. A park often has a gate that gets closed, or a ranger does a sweep through there. Um, gas station, maybe. I mean, out of the places I mentioned, that'd be your best bet, but it's not great because people are going to notice you, and you don't want to be noticed. Your best line of safety and defense is not to be noticed. Um, so, yeah, that's why, because it, it just draws attention to you. Even the doors on the van, you know, I was saying sometimes at night I have to pee, my driver's side door will slide open just a little bit. The passenger side is automatic, so it just automatically goes all the way. I've turned off the inside lights. Um, I carefully open the driver's side door. The lights stay off. It doesn't make any lights. I do whatever I have to do and don't completely close the door until I'm back in for the night, like if I have a, a chance to get outside beside the parking lot and pee. Um, of course, that's best. And then I only have to slam the door once. So anything, anything, little things you can do to be invisible, just help us have resources um, and help us not get seen by people we don't want to see that uh, could cause us trouble. So basically don't shit where you sleep. Yes. Okay. And something else that I've noticed um, just being outside of the house and I'm sure other people have noticed this too. The bathrooms that you tend to go to are really gross. I mean, I find, this is what I mean. When I'm out in the woods and we're camping or whatever, backpacking, and I go to the bathroom, if it's peeing, I really don't worry that much about it. If it's poo, maybe I use some hand sanitizer, try to find like some water and just rinse my hands off and then use hand sanitizer. But when I go into a bathroom... Inside, whether it's a porta potty or a park bathroom, or, um, whatever, I find it to be really disgusting. I mean, even touching the handles on the stall doors, touching the toilet, the the flushing handle, whatever, even touching the sink handles. I know I'm a germaphobe, um, but it's just gross, and I find myself having to or wanting to use soap. Like I said, when I'm out in the woods, I try to minimize using soap. And I don't feel like I need it. Um, but then, so that leads to the businesses probably buying cleaning products and refilling the soap. And by the way, did you know, and this is totally true, uh, the paper towel dispensers that are automated, I've seen the janitorial staff open them up and replace six D size, D like dog, the huge batteries just so that a piece of paper towel can be partitioned out for each person that's using uh, the the sink there. What a waste. And they're not rechargeable batteries, by the way. So if you think those things are hooked up to an electrical system that runs on solar power, they're not. Um, and as far as the eco-friendly hand dryers, like the automatic air dryers in the bathroom, I don't understand how they're so eco-friendly because they're still using electricity at some point. And whether it's burning coal or nuclear energy or even solar panels that have to be constructed out of materials that are being mined in the earth, uh, destroying the earth, hurting human lives, I, and as well as other lives like animals and all sorts of organisms. I actually uh, wipe my hands on the front of my pants, which is great because if you happen to pee yourself a little bit, it's good camouflage for that too. Mm. You nasty. But, <laughs> That's but, helpful to somebody. So what I'm saying is bathrooms inside have created all of these other problems, whether it's cleaning supply industry or toilet paper industry or whatever. And I just, I get really sick of it. Like, I would much rather pee and poo in the woods. Um, I've also noticed something else about bathrooms. Have you ever been in the bathroom and a parent has taken or, you know, brought their kid in to use the toilet, the automatic flushing toilet? That is so traumatic. It's traumatic to me. 
I want to have... Oh, I hate the automated bathrooms. I want to have the ability to flush when I need to flush. And, and the I, damn sink never does what you want it to do if you're trying to wash clothes or even just wash your hands sometimes. Like, you got to wave at weird places. and. Yeah, and imagine this child is, like, trying to learn how to use the bathroom, which, I mean, shit. You should just go Maybe out. Maybe they're scaring the shit out of you them. You should just go outside and teach your kid to go to the bathroom there. But, um, yeah, so the, the toilet's flushing at inopportune moments. Then you've got these loud hand dryers that sound like jet engines, like that high of decibels. And you've got the sink that won't work and the kids crying and the water's going and the kid's not there anymore. Did I mean, that yellow jacket just land on your lip? All right, it flew away. We're doing the podcast. So, yeah, so all I'm saying is the bathrooms indoors, I just find to be deplorable places, and I really don't like them. Um, all right, ladies, uh, something else that I wanted to mention while I was still talking was when it's your time of the month, uh, what do you do? And I can give you my my experience of what I do while I'm menstruating. Um, we've found a lot of sanitary napkins as well as tampons in the, in the dumpsters. And so I'm still going through the, the disposable pads. I don't really like to do that. Um, but I've done it my whole life and I have not yet had the chance to make my own, uh, cloth reusable pads. And a lot of college girls apparently hit menopause after college. So keep that in mind if you're looking for scavenge pads. Yes. Happy Christmas. Yeah, it's because they throw them out in the dumpster right as they're graduating. I don't know why. But yeah, so um, I would suggest if you can to make some reusable cloth pads um, or you can buy them, I suppose. But uh, you'll probably have more chances to wash them than you think. Um, so it's not really a problem of keeping them all clean. And something else that, uh, well, I can talk about my experience with is when you're on your period out in the woods, it feels so natural to like squat and let that stuff come out back into the earth. You're of the earth and what's coming out of your body is going back into the earth to nourish it. Um, some women do all sorts of things with their menstrual blood to like return it to the earth, whether they're pouring it in salt and then spreading it somewhere, wherever, wherever, I don't know. I don't worry about that. I just squat (laughs) down. Yeah. um, I just squat down and give it back. And oftentimes when you do that, when you really allow yourself to open up and let it flow, your period doesn't last as long um, because you're getting it, you're, you're flushing it all out. Uh, You're allowing your body to have that time to just like give it back. So that's like a gift to people, especially if you uh, happen to have a prolonged time in your period. Uh, Gumby, did you want to say anything about that? Um, well, that was, uh, gosh, I was thinking about, well, actually I was thinking about Kurt Vonnegut um, and the giving back. It makes me think that I know at least one horticulturist that um, says the two best things we do, the two most beneficial things for the earth are making fires and taking shits. So, like, I think giving your menstrual blood back is probably, you know, that same kind of thing. It's a beautiful idea that we're giving back something. I remember Kurt Vonnegut in one of his books, and I can't remember which one, but he was talking about um, (laughs) that we were machines, that our whole purpose here on Earth was as composters, basically. We turn plants and stuff like that, break it down, and turn it back into fertilizer. So, um, God, I wish I had that quote, but... It's kind of a beautiful idea. Like, as long as you're taking a crap, you're fulfilling your life's purpose. Um, yeah, so we talked about, like, being in your house and, like, what you might do, the compost toilet and Jenkins. And then we talked about being in your van and some tricks, like, if or if you're living in your car, you know, most of the same stuff applies. But living out of your vehicle, being homeless. Um, now let's take it out further. What if you're in your backpack? You're hitchhiking, you're tramping, you're hoboing. Um... And, yeah, like you're out there, and (laughs) one time I was out in Colorado, the first time I went to Colorado, and I was hitchhiking, and I was in eastern Colorado, and if you've never been to Colorado, you're probably picturing mountains and the Rockies, (laughs) and that's western Colorado. Eastern Colorado is like the most nothing you ever saw. It's west Kansas. Yeah, it's West Kansas. 
I got dropped off at a truck stop and I was sitting there with my sign and I didn't get a ride for a couple hours. And I had this great idea that I'm always staying but with these busy roads. Why don't I try a back road? Like maybe that's how you really see Colorado. So I went inside and looked at a map and there's a little dinky road coming off that truck stop that's really long. Went across the whole part of uh, Colorado. I can't remember which one, which road it was. So I started walking and man, I didn't see any vehicles and it was just nothing. You couldn't even like feel the, the road go by because everything looked exactly the same. And uh, I eventually had to take a crap. And this is what we were talking about earlier with the indecency, you know, like I had a natural bodily function. I had to take a crap. I'm in a prairie. It's not like I can even run behind a bush. <laughs> so I could actually get arrested, have my freedom taken away, fined, taken to jail for taking a crap in this situation. That's bizarre. But I had to do what I had to do. I had to take a crap. And good news for me, I hadn't seen any cars. So I walk a ways off the road, not too far because, you know, you could walk all the way to the horizon. There's nothing to hide behind. And I take my backpack and kind of get behind that the best I can, which isn't very good. And I start taking a crap. And damn if the first little group of cars comes by right then when I'm taking a crap. And one of them is a freaking school bus. (laughs) So like all the kids are looking and pointing at the hobo taking a crap on the prairie. And uh, I didn't have any toilet paper. I had to tear pages out of my journal to wipe my ass. Are you prairie-dogging it? I was prairie-dogging it. <laughs> no, prairie-dogging is when it goes back up. It was out. <laughs> there was no stopping that. I was kamikaze piloting it. Um, I eventually got a ride. And anyway, that's my poop story on the prairie. But yeah, it's a bizarre situation when you start doing stuff like that, that you are actually an outlaw. You are a criminal for taking a shit in the wrong place, even if you have no other choice. It's a bizarre situation. Um, there's a book that I think is really helpful if you're going to this level of like using the bathroom out there, you're out of a backpack, and it's How to Shit in the Woods by Kathleen Meyer. Um, I liked a lot of things about this book. It's not the most like in-depth book. A lot of it's common sense, but uh, one of the things I liked is how she talks about the word shit. She's got this whole history of the word shit and says we need to liberate the word shit. And uh, how her kids have picked this up. And, you know, if they knock on the door and, like, need help with something, she's like, I'm taking a shit. And they'll go out in the yard, Mom's taking a shit. (laughs) That's just, you know, that's a word that is not taboo in her house. And I think that's pretty cool. And she also brought up an interesting thing I'd never thought before. Um, Why are we the only animal that seems to need to wipe? Horse craps, dog craps, uh, even other apes crap. And they just crap, and then they keep going about their business. It's not like really this nasty thing unless they've eaten something bad. We need to wipe every time. And she suggests that maybe we have such an uptight taboo about taking a shit that we keep clenching. We can't relax enough to take a shit. What if somebody sees us taking a shit? What if we get arrested for taking a shit in the wrong place? I mean, it's just (laughs) we've created turn taking a shit into a a high-tension activity. So I thought that was really interesting. I think about that all the time now when I wipe. It's like, why do I need to wipe? Am I actually like, whoop, somebody's coming. I clench up. <laughs> um, and, yeah, Teresa, I know you had some uh, ideas about, um, like, cat that book. You had some different opinions on it. And I see you made that note there. I don't know if you want to somehow talk about, like, Maybe we'll get what back. that represents. Maybe we'll get back to it. Um, so yeah, I started to read that book, How to Shit in the Woods by Kathleen Meyer. And it was really, um, for me, it was a little too cutesy or like somebody trying to write a book about something that I don't feel like it really warranted a book, but that's my opinion. Um, I feel like when I, like I've talked about, and I know I sound like a weirdo now, but, but think about this. Like, (laughs) yeah, well, yeah. When I go out into the woods And I have to go to the bathroom. I'm squatting and it feels so much better than that weird angle we're on the toilet. You're a natural squatter. I must be. And, you know, sometimes I've gone all the way up this very steep hillside and my legs are tired and I feel like, (laughs) all right, I'm just using enough power to like get to this spot away from the river, away from the body of water. And sometimes I try to find a tree. So maybe you're not a natural squatter. Maybe you can find something to lean on so that you don't have to, um, 
like accidentally fall over while you're doing it. But I personally think squatting is really good. Um, I know in different countries, uh, they have basically like a hole in the floor and you carefully have your feet on either side and you go to the bathroom and they have a pitcher of water and you pour some water over your front, pour some water over your back and you use your left hand to clean that area. And the act of squatting, like I was talking about with like menstruation, is the same thing. It's it's like what Gumby's saying about clenching too much. When you squat, unless you have like a lot of control over your sphincter, I mean, things are going to come out. You're using gravity. It's like a straight shot. I can crack pecans with mine. Yeah. So you've got, a, you've got like the stage fright thing happening, I mm-hmm. think. But... But for me, I feel like it's it's pleasurable. I'm going to go on record to say I enjoy pooping Speaking in the woods. Speaking of stage fright, have you ever been caught taking a shit? Uh, mm, I don't think so. Oh. Newbie. <laughs> um, I mentioned briefly that I go away from the bodies of water. Um, We recently went to one of our favorite spots in the mountains of North Carolina after Memorial Weekend, and both the left and right side of camp have these little trails off to these areas that are like under a rhododendron thicket, and it's not so overgrown that you can't get underneath the, the rhododendrons. And I see massive amounts of toilet paper, and Gumby sees it too, and we're thinking, you can't be, you can't be serious. Like it is right on the river. I mean, there are rolls of toilet paper that have not been rained on. So it has been recent sitting next to the river where everyone is enjoying swimming and bathing and getting the water for their morning coffee and whatever else they're doing. And these folks, I believe shit right next to the river. And Gumby also mentioned, like, you know, this is a bodily process and it's natural and you got to do what you got to do when you got to do it. But I feel like there is some uh, preparation that you can do if you know you're going to go camping. Scout out at least one place that you can get to if you're doing the poo-poo walk that you can get to so that you don't have to shit next to a river or a creek or a lake. I think that's ridiculous, especially in this day and age when people like we know that when there are a bunch of people around water supplies, if you poop, it's going to make you sick. So I don't understand why they thought they didn't have that uh, problem. Yeah, if you ain't been potty trained, you don't go over somebody else's house and wind up shitting on their floor because you didn't know about toilets. So don't fucking go in the woods if you're going to shit right next to a river. Yeah. And something else that I try to do. I mean, like I said, I go up. uh, Gumby says like a football field amount of length away from a body of water. I go up the side of the mountain. I try to find a stick or if I'm feeling really adventurous, I bring the little mini shovel that we have and I dig a hole and you're supposed to dig a hole, what, six inches deep? Yeah. I've heard that the first six inches of soil are the most active. That's when decomposition will happen the fastest. Um, I got to say when I'm in the mountains, a lot of times, like I can't, um, dig that deep. Um, but I always at least cover it up. So I scoop out what I can, which is a lot of times much less shallow than six inches. I just make sure that I cover it up. Yeah. I think the important thing here is you're taking some time to find a spot that you can poop in away from the water supply and do the best you can to make at least some indentation in the ground. And at the very least, at the very least, if you've got some dry leaves and some sticks, put the leaves over your poop make an X so people know if they go up in the same place that there's shit under these logs. Yeah, and that's not draw, like, an X with your finger. It's <laughs> like, lay some sticks down in an X. Yes. Um, let's see, what else? All right, so I was, I was alluding also to toilet paper alternatives. So I thought this was interesting that, um, what? Oh, sorry. Okay, Gumby, go ahead. <laughs> um... Yeah, actually, Teresa has more to say about this than me. But um, toilet paper, that's something that we take for granted. Um, Teresa just read a book and um, about using the toilet, and it was, like, talking about how we need toilet paper now, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, people – well, do you want me to tell the story really quick? Um, I'll let you tell the story in a minute. Just okay. So, so 
Um, yeah, and that's something we take for granted. You know, a lot of us feel like we do need it. Even Teresa and I, we like take ter- uh, toilet paper with us when we're going out in the woods, even though we know alternatives, but toilet paper is easy. It's good. Um, I always like to say my piece about like being conservative with toilet paper. People wrap up their hands like a giant Q-tip to wipe their ass. I think that's crazy. And I think that same wastefulness translates into everything else. I mean, if you don't care about toilet paper, you don't care about anything. It's all connected. Too much toilet paper is, I guarantee that person that makes their hand look like a Q-tip, waste in a lot of ways. And they're killing their the future. They're killing, if they have kids, they're killing their kids' future. Um, we just need to really start talking like that and thinking like that. You know, it sounds like all hippy-dippy to say crap like that. And it shouldn't. It should sound like you're the most selfish, insane asshole if you don't say stuff like that, because it's the truth. We use up too many resources, and that's what's bleeding the earth dry. It's just the truth. Um, So toilet paper alternatives. And again, this is something we've experimented a little with, but it's not kind of our baseline. It's not our usual. We still use toilet paper. And uh, Teresa will steal it from the library sometimes. She says she pays her taxes, so it's her toilet paper. Um... So, wet corn cobs apparently were a thing, like, pretty recently. Um, actually, let me. I will hand this over to you, Teresa, because she read the book and she's got all the years and stuff. Okay. So, long history short, um, toilet paper was invented in China in the 1400s. And it was invented for who? Royalty. Um, it wasn't sold in the United States before 1857. So wrap your mind around that. We think maybe toilet paper's just been around since, like, maybe whatever, time in memoriam. Like, there's been rolls of of something. But that's not true. It's only been in the United States since 1857. And before that, um, people mostly used things that were natural laying around, whether they were leaves or, like Gumby said, corn cobs that were in a bucket of water. And you'd take one out of the bucket of water. I guess that was for softening it up. And you use it to wipe your butt, and then you throw it out the outhouse into the field. Um, or Which can also be a really good alternative if you don't have butter for your cob of corn. That's nasty. Um, people would also use, and still sometimes do use, um, the pages of books, especially really dumb books. Um, <laughs> paper bags, bits of newspaper. So these were things that were often used by, quote-unquote, the poor. Um, I read a book on the Great Depression, and my grandma grew up during the Great Depression, and they would always joke about using the Sears catalog because they couldn't afford to buy anything from Sears. Um, A lot of times people just didn't have money, but they'd get this catalog full of paper, and so they'd put it out in the outhouse, and they'd use that to wipe their butt with. Um, I went over to Nepal. Gumby always laughs at me because I say this a lot. Have you been to Nepal? I have been to Nepal. Um, and I also used to teach yoga, so (laughs) I'm one of those people, I guess. Um, but that was my first experience using water to clean my stuff down there. And at first I was like, oh my God, I don't think I can do this. I would go to the tourist area. I would buy this rinky dink roll of toilet paper that I think they would take regular rolls of toilet paper that they imported and then like roll some off of it and sell that to the tourists because they knew tourists were desperate to have their toilet paper. Um, and one day I was just like, you know what? I'm tired of having to go all the way down there and get toilet paper when everyone else in the house I was staying at, all the kids, all the adults in this orphanage. Yes, I stayed in an orphanage in Nepal. Um, yeah, they were using a pitcher of water from a bucket that the water was collected on the roof from the rain and they would have some water in the bucket and you would just clean yourself that way. And you know what? It's not that gross. In fact, it actually feels cleaner to me. The one thing I would caution, especially for women, um, because we're built differently down there, is if you're going to use water consistently, get something like a little cloth or bandana that you can dry yourself a little bit with. Um, Because I've found that if you just use water and you're not letting yourself dry down there, it can cause some problems. So you don't want to get any sort of like infections or any sort of fungus or weird stuff like that, yeast overgrowth. Um, But I will say that using water, like if we're bathing, I'm not peeing in the water, I'm peeing away from the water, but then I go in and I clean myself that way, it feels 
refreshing and amazing. Um, so consider that. You don't have to buy these special cleaning cloths or what do they have? Those wet wipes for people's shit. They're like <laughs> they're like six for? or seven dollars, I think, at the grocery store. This this plastic container with baby wipes for adults. I use two squares of toilet paper. I don't know. Yeah. So um, try a pitcher of water. Um, if you need advice on how to do that, uh, write to us. <laughs> I'll go ahead and put it out there. I don't think I'll make a YouTube video of we it. We will make a YouTube video. No. Um, the next thing, Gumby wanted to talk about going commando, but I will say in in addition to uh, like wiping yourself down there to make sure you have a little bit more dryness, going commando helps. Let the air get to you. Okay, Gumby. And maybe mention that maybe. Yeah, and by going commando, I mean we should start violently resisting the government before it kills us all. Like, <laughs> no, that's not. Well, I, I do mean that, that, but going commando, not wearing underwear. Um, yeah, the, so the term comes from uh, soldiers, and we're starting to wrap this up. I think I hope in all this rambling that you've gotten some good tips if you're, uh, you know, escaping society, whether it's by vehicle, if it's on foot. Um, you know, just one more tool in your toolbox because everybody's got to use the bathroom. So this is relevant to everybody. And if you already know everything we said, awesome. Hopefully you're sharing it with people who don't because there's plenty of people who don't and it's not their fault. Um, we've all been taught to be helpless. We know how to use the devices around us and that's about it. And that is exactly where the powers that be want us. Helpless, reliant. So if you're ready to stop being so helpless and start learning how to crap in the woods, how to you know, take care of your own crap instead of just flushing it magically away for those scientists that never really seem to know what to do with it because the earth keeps getting more polluted. Um, hopefully these tips will assist you. So go in commando. Um, soldiers, when they would get dropped commandos, when they'd get dropped in jungles, um, one of the things they were told is the first thing you want to do is take off your underwear. It's a place where bacteria can build up um, and it can create fungus infections. It can create all kinds of disease. Plus, your underwear can actually be a survival tool. That stretchy band can, uh, you can turn it into a, a hunting tool. I've never done it, but. Um, and an ex-girlfriend of mine and I went on a walkabout expedition. And um, she was talking to one of the female instructors. We were going to be out in the deserts of Washington for a week. And she wanted to know, well, I might have my period when I'm out there. Um, I'm worried about yeast infections. Is there anything you can tell me? She told her the same thing. Go commando. So it's not just jungles. She said, you know, take off your underwear for all the same reasons that um, the commandos were told that. So consider that. If you're going to be outside for long periods of time, especially if you can't bathe the way you're used to, um, and if you start to have a problem or maybe even before you start to have a problem, try taking off your underwear and just see how that works. Um, I went commando for years. Um, <laughs> for me, it wasn't about any of those reasons. It was just that I had one less thing I had to wash. Um, and I liked the freedom of it. It felt good. You know, when I was a kid, I was wore those tidy whities God, I hate those things. And uh, then I tried boxers and then commando. And it was just, oh, man, this is so, like, free and easy. <laughs> then I started teaching. And I kid you not, the first camp I ever taught, I uh, my pants started to rip, like, oh at the bottom. God. So I didn't worry about that. And around lunchtime, that, that rip had come up to my knee and it looked like a huge bell bottoms on one side or something. So, you know, it's kind of funny. The kids were having fun with it, teasing me about it. And I was like, well, this is going well. You know, the kids like me and it's kind of quirky. It's great. Fine. <laughs> By the end of the day, that freaking rip had gone all the way up to my crotch and I had to tie like my, my cover shirt around my waist to cover myself. And I was going commando. Like, this was one another one of those times, through no fault of my own, I could have got busted for indecent exposure. <laughs> Ever since then, I started wearing underwear again. I like those little, uh, what do you call those? Boxer briefs. Boxer briefs, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I liked going commando, and I never really had a problem with it. Um, yeah, can I say one quick thing? Yeah. Um, going commando, if you have your period, I've never done it. Uh, well, actually, I don't think that's true. I think I might have done it, like, kind of unintentionally on the beach um, we were next to water. But yeah, ladies, if you're thinking there's no way in hell I'm going to do that, maybe try it sometime. Like try it, walk out in the woods and 
you know, if you need to wear like loose fitting, um, dark pants or tight fitting, whatever, and then just have something to change into that's also dark so that you can wash those in the water. I think that would, I don't think that would be so traumatic for me. I just, I haven't had a need to do it, but I think I might try it in the future when I'm out of these pads. And segueing into the last topic, um, going commando and Bear Grylls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Bear Grylls. Um, yeah, so we're wrapping up, and I'm trying to. We're trying to think of any other topics. You know, hopefully we've given you sort of a path out from your your house, out to your, you know, vehicle, then living out of your backpack, and hopefully beyond. Uh, those alternatives to toilet paper. Oh, one more alternative. Um, if I'm doing a survival thing and there's nothing out there, I've been told by a survival instructor that you can use mullen leaves. That's a plant you can look up. Um, another survival instructor said he knows people who got a rash because mullen is a sacred plant and you shouldn't use it for that. So just putting that out there, like you can decide. Um, I don't know about one plant being more sacred than another. I, My own personal feeling is if I felt like I needed to use mullen, that's around. Um, I just try to do what I do with all plants and treat it very respectfully. Um, and in other woods, when that's not around, I will use, I'll find a big dead leaf, the most sturdy one I can, and I'll double it up. I'll find another dead leaf. Um, and I try to wipe against the veins. So if you picture the, the veins, <laughs> not against the veins of your ass, <laughs> if uh, the veins of your ass are an issue, then bring toilet paper. But <laughs> if you picture a leaf, it's got that big mid vein oh and then the veins coming off to the side and they're not coming straight out. They're coming at an angle. So wipe against it'll uh, catch more fecal matter. It'll get you cleaner. And yeah, you know, you can do pretty well. And if you're, the leaves are too dead, you get little crumbly pieces of dead leaf in your ass and that makes for a bad day. So hopefully you got a place to bathe right after that and wash your ass because man, Having crumbly leaves in your asshole all day is not a way to spend the day. Um, and one more thing I had to pass on, which is drinking pee. Um, I just want to weigh on on this topic because in survival circles, this gets debated a lot with a lot of different opinions. So I want to give my personal experience on it. Um, I got taught in Tom Brown's Tracking Nature and Wilderness Survival School, don't drink your pee. Just don't. There's no good reason to. Now, I've been told by, actually I can't remember any of my sources on this, but I've been heard, I've heard from other survival people, drink your pee. Um, oh, what was that? Man, woman, wild, uh, the Kentucky guy and his like British wife or whatever, they do a survival show. He uh, drank his pee a lot, it seemed to me, unless I'm remembering that wrong. What I found is if I'm really thirsty, and I tested this, I've tested this twice. One was just to test it. One was because I was actually in a survival situation that I couldn't find drinkable water, and I was getting really dried out. I peed in a bottle. I let it cool off a little bit because, I don't know, slightly cooler pee seems a little less objectionable (laughs) to me than a hot pee. And I drank it. And I did feel it hydrate me. My lips weren't as dry anymore. Um, just, you know, when you're really dry, you feel like a raisin. I felt myself kind of expand and fill out again. Like, you know, I got hydrated. Uh, my breath smelled like piss. When I sweated, it smelled like piss. And because of the smell, I believe that if you drink it again, it's probably more harmful than beneficial to you. So my own opinion is if you need to, I would drink my pee once. After that, it just prolongs your time a little bit. So hopefully with that amount of hydration, you can start, keep going downhill and find water. But we'll talk about that in the future in a survival podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, if you have any questions about anything we've talked about or anything we did not cover, please write in. We would love to hear from you or leave a voice message. Um, and if you have any comments, um, one of the things we would really like to do with these podcasts is get discussions going. We want to learn, too. We don't talk about anything we think we're experts in. We talk about things that we have maybe a unique perspective to somebody out there to share. And if you, you know, give us your perspective back, it broadens everybody. And that would be the ideal. Um, You can find us at escaping society, one word, all lowercase, dot weebly, um, B as in boy, dot com. 
Um, we've got links to a YouTube channel um, that we show how to do a lot of stuff, not much of the stuff we mentioned on this podcast, but other <laughs> stuff. Um, links to our Mountains of Sea backpacking. Um, you can see some of the stuff we're doing there. Hitchhiking, uh, houseless retreat, survival overnight. So maybe just some ideas, things that you can that we've tried and documented a little bit and could be helpful for somebody. Um, we also have a Facebook page. Look for us, Escaping Society. And one of the things we've started doing is making little cards. Um, we'd overhear people having conversations, you know, about modern events and politics. And it was always the typical, like, A versus B stuff, you know. They pit us against each other into two teams. It's like a sports game. You know, you either go A or you go B. Maybe you think you've got really unique ideas, but when it boils right down to it, most opinions fall in A or B. So we'd be frustrated over here in these conversations because the same people win. It doesn't matter if A wins or B wins. It's the same damn people. They're just playing us against each other. Nobody's asking, like, well, what about C? What about D? What if we just stopped doing what we were doing instead of trying to fix it? Nobody ever says that. Um, so we started making these little cards, just like ideas, you know, and putting them wherever we can in bathrooms we go to, on tables. Um, in books that we read, just kind of dispersing them like seeds. Most of them, you know, like a dandelion, most of the seeds go. They hit sidewalks, they hit roads, they're not going anywhere. They wind up in the trash. Every now and then, one hits the right place. The right person that's reading it at the right time, it speaks to them. So I would love to hear from you if you found one of these cards, if any of the people listening to this found a card. I'd love to hear which card you found because I never repeat a quote. It's always a different quote. So for some reason, that quote found you. And, um, yeah, just let us know if you agree with it, what you liked about it, or if you disagree with it, what you thought was just BS about it. Um, I'd love to hear either opinion. And contact me through one of those places that I've mentioned. And is there anything else, Teresa? I think that's it. Tune in next time. All right. See you later.